Thank you, Keb Mo. And from Chicago, we welcome all sisters and brothers, friends, family, and neighbors, and all the citizens of the world to yet another edition of Live from the Heartland. This is Heartland at Home number 82. For those of you who are keeping track of the shows we're not doing while the studio is closed to us, uh, that we're not doing live, but recorded. Um, and we're happy that uh, you're still listening. Um, this is the show for January 1st, 2022. Yes, folks, we're at that point, 2022. And we're gonna be talking with guests, Carrie Leiterson and Michael Harrington. Um, but first we'd like to wish everyone a happy new year. And may it be a much better one for all of us and for the entire planet. So let's just think for a moment about our various um, rituals that we like to do with family, with our tribes, with our neighbors. Um, and let's pause and, and do libations to the new year. Think about our wishes, dreams, and hopes. Imagine ourselves dancing in the big circle to which we all belong. And uh, let's listen to some soulful Curtis Mayfield and the impressions telling us to get ready.
And we're back. Thank you, Curtis Mayfield, for that wonderful reminder of what we all need to keep our eyes on the prize for. Um, without my mates to bounce things around, uh, this will be a shorter little banter, and uh, we'll do more music than normal. <laughs> Uh, the elections that happened in Honduras and Chile since we last spoke to you um, uh, had some hopeful results, uh, while on the other side of the planet we've got Russia saber rattling continually on the border of Ukraine and China closing down one of the last bastions of free press in Hong Kong. Um, scary stuff. Uh, also uh, in, under various, um, what we call various disasters. Afghanistan is starving. Uh, there is unrest and repression in Sudan and Myanmar. Um, these are all places that we should be holding in our hearts and um, you know, wishing, praying for the best. Um, between this show and next week's, the year anniversary of the January 6th mayhem will occur. I think calling it an insurrection is giving it a little too much credit. It was a riot and it was mayhem. Uh, I feel personally a little dread as it becomes, as it comes closer. Um, watching that thing play out a year ago on our TVs um, was a moment of shared national horror for which we all probably have our own versions of PTSD. Mine will worsen seriously if we don't get rid of the 147 repugs that voted not to accept the results of the biggest, fairest election ever held in US history. Um, so it is that we'll be thrilled to welcome back Heather Booth next week to talk about what's up for us in 2022 and what we need to do and what we must accomplish. Um, just locally and all over the country, there are all manner of January 6th vigils happening uh, here in Chicago, one downtown at the Federal Plaza, a number around town from Naperville to Beverly. Um, form your own with neighbors. Just let us not forget that day and what it means to us. Um, COVID is you know, running amok, uh, as we all know. Cancellations abound, everything from sports to Broadway, um, all manner of friends and family and famous folks have uh, tested positive. Uh, the only good thing is that folks who have been vaccin vaccinated and boosted when they test positive are going through it in, more quickly and without hospitalizations generally. Um, that is a good thing. Um, we learn more about what we both know and don't know uh, and we'll keep you posted as best we can. We're also thinking right now um, on the environmental front of the folks in Colorado, uh, something called the Marshall Fire is burning and running amok. We're thinking of you all, in an, it's in and around Boulder, uh, a town called Louisville is all, all evacuated. Please get and stay safe. I've seen all kinds of messages from neighbors offering help, offering, um, uh, places for your pets to um, be safe and for um, goods for your children. Uh, once again, communities uh, rise up in the face of these horrible happenings. And that's, I guess, one of the most positive things we can say. Um, we still have a kind of wimpy wet winter uh, happening here in Chicago. 
We did get some snow this week. Of course, it was gone by nightfall. Um, I just wonder, second year in a row, <laughs> Uh, with this kind of wimpy weather, weather will be ready when the 10 or 11 feet of snow fall in the first week of February. Remember that? That happened last year. Um, we have a shoveling squad out of the Alderwoman's office here in the 49th Ward, which is great. Uh, you can sign up and bring your shovel to needed places. Um, just before we go to our first guest, I'd like to stick in a Live from the Heartland commercial. We want to recruit team members to this show, um, both my face and the other face that's normally on this, um, we need a break, we're, we're old. And, and in order to get uh, a fresh bunch of music, we need some younger folks as well. So if you're interested in getting the story out and keeping the stories in the news that need covering, Live from the Heartland is a place that does that and we'd love your help. So reach out to us via WLUW or via Michael's email at fatback at AOL.com. You are listening to Live from the Heartland, Heartland at Home edition number 82 on WLUW 88.7 FM. Stay tuned. We'll return right after this musical break with our first guest, writer, activist, and neighbor, Kari Leiterson. Let's hear it from you, Bob Dylan. How many roads must a man walk down Before you call him a man How many seas must a white dove sail Before she sleeps in the sand Isn't how many times must the cannonballs fly Before they're forever banned the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Yes, and how many years can a mountain exist before it is washed to the sea? Yes, and how many years can some people exist Before they're allowed to be free Yes, and how many times can a man turn his head And pretend that he just doesn't see The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind The answer is blowing And how many times must a man look up Before he can see the sky Yes, and how many ears must one man have Before he can hear people cry Yes, and how many deaths will it take till he knows too many people have died The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind The answer is blowing in the wind 
Wow. Thank you, Bob Dylan. And look at our guest is here, Carrie Leiterson. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Nice to be here. It's, it's great to see you. I, I, uh, in preparation for this, I looked back at a, an interview that we did live on the show. I think it was actually still when it was on the stage at the Heartland um, a few years back. I can't remember now. I, I wrote it down somewhere. But anyway, uh, it was great to be reminded of all of the great things that you do and have done. I think at that time we were we were uh, basically talking about this book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because we had... Um, we had just gone through the election that, that a lot of us worked on for Chewy um, when this guy got reelected and it was an interesting conversation as I recall. So now we are looking at 2022. Can you believe it? I know, not really. Yeah, I can't, I have a hard time. And given everything that we've gone through, um, we just should launch into it. Kari, you have um, covered a lot of the issues that we continually try to keep in track, keep track of on this show. For example, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, Jan Reichert from uh, Jan and Lan Reichert from uh, uh, the Bioneers Bio in M Middle State, Illinois. They were talking about a, a recent victory on the coal tar sands um, removal that they won. Uh, hard fought, hard won victories, these. Um, and I know that's one of the issues that you've kept track of. Um, and you look, I gotta say, you do look like you're in California right now. <laughs> you're tan and lovely. And um, you told me you've already been out surfing this morning. That's right. <laughs> Dang girl, that's hot. There was a bunch of dolphins, a gorgeous sunrise, yep. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a great way to welcome in the new year. Mm -hmm. Um, we, I had asked people to just uh, do whatever is their version of libations as we listen to uh, Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions sing People Get Ready, because <laughs> I really want people to get ready for this year. Um, yeah. So uh, first of all, you are clearly not still in Pilsen where you were for a time and you were doing mural tours back in, uh, I don't know how long ago. Is, do you still have a home here in Chicago? Oh, yeah, I still live in Pilsen. I still live in and work in Chicago. Um, I'm out here for the holidays out in San Diego, where I grew up. And I've been here um, on and off during the pandemic, um, you know, working remotely and spending time with my family and with the ocean. But uh, I'm still a, I'm still in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, good. Great. Because we like the way you cover our news here. <laughs> um, it's important to us. Um, for example, uh, one of the things I looked up uh, and saw was this, um, was it NCA? You had a Great Lakes climate change impact conversation. Oh, yeah. um, are you still working on that? I mean, I, is that just one of the many topics you keep your hand in, I assume? Yeah, yeah, the Great Lakes for sure. Um, NCA is an awesome publication. I did a project with them and, and I do stuff with Great Lakes now a lot. I mean, it's just such a, um, as always, it's such a crucial time to be understanding the Great Lakes and um, appreciating them. And as a journalist, you know, I love covering the Great Lakes and, uh, you know, with all these crazy things going around the on around the world with climate change, the Great Lakes region, of course, is so affected by climate change and sometimes in ways that are more subtle um, or less in your face than, you know, the fires in, yeah. in Colorado right now at this time of year and the hurricanes and everything. But, um, 
it's all related and yeah it's just so important to keep tabs on what's going on on the great lakes uh environmentally and and socially and everything like that we uh we've got locally we uh deb shore who you know probably know uh, has been on the um um the metropolitan water reclamation board for uh the last 12 or more years got picked for the local epa directorship which bodes very yeah, well for great. great lakes yeah. health while simultaneously we try and keep covering the stories about stopping line three and line six yes and um all of these these uh issues uh, one of them is most of the activity i think is now up in minnesota mm -hmm. on, on line three but it could be over the board the the state line of wisconsin as well i think it, it's right there on the river um mm -hmm. any any um <clears throat> observations that you've made about the the midwest's uh continued activism on trying to protect do water protection here um since you have as a freelancer all over the nation you have a, a good eyes view of of where this struggle goes nationally how do you feel about how we're doing here how are we doing <laughs> yeah, I mean, the battle protecting water in the Great Lakes has been a, a really groundbreaking battle for a long time on all different levels, you know, grassroots activists, indigenous activists and leaders fighting things like the oil pipelines under the lakes and um, mining and, and uh, coal fired power that pollutes the Great Lakes and then, you know, going back more than a decade, we had this big policy legislative, pretty amazing effort to pass the Great Lakes Compact to make sure that Great Lakes water stays in the Great Lakes and can't be diverted out of the Great Lakes Basin. Um, so, I mean, there's just been, you know, there's so many ways that the Great Lakes need to be protected. And um, I think one of the things that's so fascinating about the Great Lakes is just how, like, say when I'm out in the ocean, you know, the ocean is extremely impacted by people, unfortunately, hugely, um, but you don't see it as obviously, it still feels like, you know, very pristine and it's just so vast. Um, whereas, and you don't, you know, you don't see the impacts of industry everywhere. Although we do have signs on our local beaches about tar balls washing up from the oil spill off Huntington Beach a few months ago. So the ocean is also very much being abused and impacted by people. But um, in the Great Lakes, even more so, you know, they've just been shaped by industry and pollution and human behavior um, going back really like since essentially settling and industrializing our country forever changed the Great Lakes. So, you know, there's not even a concept of bringing the Great Lakes back to pristine or natural. It's really this like very interesting um, balance and um, strategy of, you know, trying to find like a, a, an equilibrium where the lakes can continue to be used um, for human society and human industry. And yet, and, uh, you know, invasive species, a lot of these species will never be gotten rid of with climate change. Even the, you know, original natural species wouldn't necessarily do well anymore. So the Great Lakes are just a really fascinating and important example of how we kind of mitigate the harm we've done and like learn to um, help nature live in balance with the people. Yeah. But that's great. And speaking of nature, um, mm -hmm. since we saw you, and I know Michael, this was on Michael's list, so I'm, I'm trying to serve him. Um, Antarctica. <laughs> you went to Antarctica since we last talked to you. Tell us about that. And 
and how being there also informs your environmental awareness, uh, planetary wise. Uh, anything you want to share about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's an experience that at this moment feels surreal. It's hard to even believe I was there and I never imagined I'd get to go there. Um, actually, I'm wearing a hat from this uh, clean energy, uh, Spanish um, clean energy company that um, supported me to go there on this totally amazing program with 100 women scientists. So the idea was um, 100 women scientists and engineers. Um, it's a program called Homeward Bound, started by an Australian woman. woman and um, they, well, they haven't done it since the pandemic, but for a number of years, they'd been sending 100 women in science to Antarctica to sort of bond and just see firsthand um, some of the most critical examples of how climate change is affecting our world and you know what's at stake here um, to help them lead the lead the fight against climate change. So I got to go as a journalist to basically document that. And I mean, there's just no words to describe like the majesty and the fragility and just the absolute wonder um, and really, and uh, among the many things I learned, the Southern Ocean, which essentially circles Antarctica, is really the driver of our entire world's climate. Um, it, it's kind of like the the uh, engine of the currents and the various things that happen throughout the ocean. Some of the women on this trip where experts, you know, spend their lives uh, studying the Southern Ocean and really um, drove home to me. I had never even heard of the Southern Ocean before, honestly, but um, it's this thing that a lot of people don't know about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just such, so, I mean, talk about like being in awe of nature, um, absolutely blew my mind, needless to say. And, you know, I had no idea it was a women centered trip. Uh, mm -hmm. That sounds wonderful to me. And also with experienced oceanographers, um, God, it, it just must have been uh, fabulous for you. It was. Yeah, I feel really lucky, really lucky. Yeah. and really in awe of those women. And yeah. Well, back on land, <laughs> um, the other stuff that you cover a lot, and I don't know if it came out of being in Pilsen or if you're interested in uh, Mexico, Central America and South America, predate, predated your living in that neighborhood. But um, both Michael and I have had the great good fortune of being uh, traveling in, in all of those places. And we had uh, recently, two weeks ago, we had someone on who works with Honduras. And mm. since we talked to her, there's been an election both in Honduras and Chile that had <clears throat> positive results. Um, my, I, I only hesitate because I, I'm just not sure if these people are gonna be allowed to govern, particularly <laughs> the woman in Honduras. Um, you have experience in these places, you've written about uh, all over uh, the Southern hemisphere, our neighbors to the South. What are your reactions to what's going on there? Maybe those two elections or beyond if you have something else you'd rather focus on. Um, well, I haven't been in, in Chile. I uh, did get to go to Honduras and report. How do you get to with... Antarctica without going to Chile? Oh, I was in Argentina, actually. <laughs> we launched from Argentina, Ushuaia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, no, it's been a while since I've been in Honduras, but, um, as you know, I know you've had them on the show many times, uh, Lavos de los de Abajo and fantastic activists here in Chicago have, um, really been, uh, working in solidarity with Honduras and I've gotten to go with them a number of times in the past. So yeah, to see, um, Shiamara, if I'm pronouncing her name right, um, elected in Honduras was a great, awesome, surprising victory. And of course, as you said, you know, what that means, how she'll be allowed to govern, um, you know, to what extent the U.S. and other forces will interfere, hopefully much less than in the past uh, for any number of reasons. Um, that'll really be something to see. And, you know, it's just a testament, the fact that she was elected, even with all the oppression and brutality and murders um, that have happened, you know, over the past, well, <laughs> many decades, but especially the last decade in Honduras, um, roughly since Manuel Zelaya, her husband, had been deposed in a in a coup and, um, you know, right-wing forces took over in Honduras. Um, just the way that activists and just regular people on the ground, campesinos, LGBTQ people, um, all different people who are being very actively attacked by uh, these administrations, um, the way they've just kept fighting and, you know, and managed to um, be victorious in this election. Uh, it's uh, unbelievably inspiring and, yeah, hopefully, uh, and I, I mean, I can only imagine how the pandemic is impacting Honduras and will continue to, too. Well, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> the number of uh, refugees leaving Honduras in the last number of years and traveling through Mexico to come to our border has uh, uh, ballooned, mushroomed um, from that country. I wonder if, if they'll be able to uh, stem that tide. <clears throat> uh, I mean, in order to, for that to happen, they have to get the gangs out of control. Um, and right now the gangs are fairly heavily in control in there and in Haiti and making life pretty rough on a lot of folks. Um, so let me, let me try. Uh, the other thing that we covered, uh, you've covered in your, what is it now, five books you've written? Yeah, for different forms, yeah. Dang. <laughs> I mean, I've written a couple more of different sorts, but five main ones. <laughs> wow. I, I, well, I want to lead people to your website, um, kariliderson.net, mm -hmm. where a lot of those books are uh, talked about and, and you can order them. And um, yeah, it, you're, you're very prolific. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, economic inequity. We talked about it a lot when we when we've talked about Mayor 1% with you a couple of few years ago, but now we've had, since we've talked to you, we've had Trump and, um, you know, the, the various ways that we've seen our government try to save the economy without necessarily putting together a, the best safety net. Um, COVID taught us about the lack of a safety net. So, What's, what kind of observations do you have and maybe coming out of this period of COVID, are you, are you looking to cover or uncover more of that story um, in a special way? Are you, what are your thoughts about what we've, what we've all discovered about ourselves in the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, like any um, disaster and crisis, COVID in Chicago and everywhere really just 
stripped bare, um, you know, made totally evident what we already knew about inequality and vulnerability and, um, you know, really, I mean, widen the divide between like the, just the types of experiences people have had during COVID are so vastly different. And, you know, just one other way that we underscored like, um, yeah, just these vast chasms in our society. So, I mean, I'm just trying to struggling to, you know, sort of understand, like, say we have this record low unemployment, wages are going up, you know, places can't even hire enough workers. And yet, um, vulnerability and, you know, poverty and lack of agency. I mean, people are, are suffering and struggling as much as ever. Um, so, you know, and then, I mean, to link it back to Honduras too, um, like we have all these jobs and yet people aren't being allowed to come here to seek asylum. Um, and there's all these supply chain bottlenecks. Like I think COVID just, you know, really laid bare, like what a kind of house of cards um, our global economy is in a lot of ways that, you know, it disrupted the labor flows and, and good flows of goods. And um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a coherent point because I think it's just, there's so much, you know, this is the prime opportunity to try to understand like, okay, people, it's very evident why someone wouldn't want to be working, you know, for 15, even $15 an hour, no less like $8 an hour. Um, and now a lot of people aren't working those jobs and yet people aren't, you know, they're not, not working just because they were working before for fun. I mean, people are really struggling now with childcare and healthcare and the risk of COVID. And, you know, I can only imagine that, not in the US, not to mention developing countries like just the desperation and economic inequality will just continue to get worse because of um, what COVID did to us. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm, my my personal um, journalistic focus lately has been more on energy and environment and environmental justice, which are also, we also see climate change really, effects of climate change really walloping us, um, which of course, only exacerbates flows of refugees and um, and even in a, a given city, you know, that's already struggling from COVID. I mean, we saw that with the wildfires in California last year that were, and the hurricanes, right, as, as people were vulnerable from COVID, you know, these natural disasters were also making it impossible for people to socially distance. So anyway, so all these, I mean, I, time and history has always been crazy. I don't know. And, and unjust, I don't know if this period is any worse, but, um, it certainly feels like there's a lot of forces really coming to a head right now. Um, and, you know, on one hand, there's like the very critical issues like, uh, economic desperation and um and then there's you know the sort of slower burn ones like the environment that are equally critical and you know can get pushed to the the back burner when we're struggling to like put out each individual fire in some cases like literally fire um yeah <laughs> well uh i guess our time is almost up and maybe the last thing i would ask you is um what do you feel like the outlook for significant social change might be in the next little bit, given that this is a midterm election year and there's a lot of attention. We're coming up on the January 6th anniversary. Um, I, I'm hoping people feel like I do, but I'm not sure. And it's hard to tell when you're all isolated because of COVID. What do you feel the outlook for social change is now? 
I mean, I definitely feel hopeful despite it all um, in terms of the midterms. Uh, politics just seems like such a rat's nest. I, I can't really feel hopeful about that. But, um, you know, I think um, hopefully the pandemic did bring out some of people's empathy and better qualities and, um, you know, the George Floyd protests and the ongoing racial justice reckoning, um, I feel like is a positive trajectory for, I mean, obviously it's a positive trajectory, but I think that like hopefully will will have made lasting impacts on, you know, people's consciousness and, um, and keep moving in that direction. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, going back to the economy and the jobs and the supply chain stuff, like hopefully people and climate change, natural disaster, disasters like hopefully we're at some kind of inflection point where people do a, a better job of trying to make sense of things and trying to work for um for equity and justice so i'll i'll vote to be hopeful for 2022 your lips to the goddess's ears mm -hmm. thank you so much carrie for talking with us today for spending this 20 minutes or so with us we really appreciate it and uh uh Hank 10 or whatever they say. Out there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. It's been really nice to talk with you. Thank Happy you, New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you too. Thank Appreciate you. It. You are listening to Live from the Heartland, Heartland at Home number 82 on WLUW 88.7 FM. Enjoy this musical and break. And break. In fact, Get up and dance. It's a new year. So come back when we're and we'll talk with Michael Harrington on the pace of change in the Chicago Police Department. Let's hear from Marvin Gaye. Brother, brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Father, father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the end. For only love can comprehend You know we've got to find a way To bring some love and get here today Picket lines and picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see
thinks we're at home. Oh, but who would they judge us? Simply cause our hair is warm. Don't punish me for brutality. Come on, talk to me. You can't see what's going on. And there you are. Welcome, Michael Harrington, my Thank friend, you. my neighbor, my co-conspirator. Um, Happy New Year to both of us. Indeed, to all of us, to everyone. Um, we're kind of doing a libations show here today. I've been playing a lot of music because my partner's uh, uh, out of commission. So to okay. pick up the slack on his chatter is, is I get to play music. So thanks for asking for uh, Marvin Gaye. I'm always happy to play what's going on. My favorite. Absolutely my favorite. Indeed. Um, for those of you who don't know, Michael Harrington is a longtime activist um, <laughs> from uh, both the neighborhood political level back in the 44th Ward decades ago up to and through his activism on the Chicago Teachers Union with Karen Lewis, um, up to and including his activism and helping to run a campaign against Rahm Emanuel, which we didn't quite make. But after that, uh, we joined forces up here in the 49th Ward and have been doing our own activism in the Network 49, under the Network 49 umbrella. Um, but significantly, Michael has been part of the citywide group of activists working on the issue of police brutality and police reform. Um, um, dating back to when we had Sheila Betty at a, an event. Well, four or here. five years ago, we've been in it. Over five years, yeah, no. I was gonna say. And, there, and first there were two plans, CPAC and GAPA. And we were, we were all part of that conversation, but let's, let's ask you to bring us up to date without me asking all kind of- Sure not useful questions. <laughs> so yeah, welcome, dear. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I'm happy to share. I'm happy to share with, with you and, and our neighbors and actually all of Chicago about some important things that are happening yeah. this year. This new year kicks off a new phase or maybe even a new era for citizen oversight of Chicago policing. And there's three important things that are happening all starting this year that we need to be aware of and be prepared to participate in. 
The first important thing is that this month, January, the mayor is expected to appoint members to serve on the Interim Commission for Public Safety and Accountability. The Commission for Public Safety and Accountability basically is the new oversight body to oversee the police department, the Civilian Office for Police Accountability, and the Chicago Police Board. The aldermen and city council are going to identify 14 candidates for the mayor to appoint to seven seats on the Commission for Public Safety and Accountability. Those people will be responsible for directing policies of the Chicago Police Department and enforcing more accountability, creating more accountability for what policing is in Chicago. You know, we've been involved in helping monitor the Chicago Police Consent Decree for three years, and we're still very active in many activities related to rewriting police policy and paying attention to what police training is all about, many areas that need to be improved in policing. And you know, every citizen, every resident of Chicago, every taxpayer, every homeowner needs to understand clearly that we all have a stake in more professionalism and more accountability from policing, the families that have been hurt, the people that have died, the costs, the million dollar annual costs mm. and payouts for settlements yep. that are the result of poor policing needs to be reversed. And that's what this new commission is going to be doing in working with the Chicago Police Department, the police superintendent, the mayor's office, and all of the other structures that manage policing in Chicago. So this new commission is to be appointed this month. Um, the second thing that's happening this month is, not this month, but this year, is the work to put in referendum on the ballot in the Jan June primary. The referendum will not only create this oversight commission as an elected body, the first year's interim, the mayor is gonna appoint appointees to the commission, uh -huh. but there will be an election for members of the commission as a result of this referendum which will also empower the commission to actually hire and fire police superintendents, the police board members, and the director of the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, which investigates um, police misconduct. The police board actually acts to hire and fire individual, off fire individual officers. And the police superintendent, as you know, is in charge of the whole 13,000 member department. The referendum will also empower the commission to be the ones leading the negotiations for the police contract, as well as managing the police budget. I got a question. Is, yes. Is, is this referendum that you're talking about, um, is that something that uh, people are gonna have to ask for signatures for starting well, in January? As I understand it, the initial intent is to ask the city council to put the referendum on the ballot. Ah. City council has the right to put three referendums on the ballot. And if, uh, if all goes well, the council will agree that this is something that the voters of Chicago should decide. Should we have civilian oversight of the police department, which includes um, empowering this civilian oversight commission? You, you think chances third, are good that the city council will do that? Well, all we can do is, is hope and see. I, I know, wait and see. I know that our own alderman, Maria Haddon, 
is fully on board. She's been a strong advocate for professionalism and accountability with the police department. The third thing that's happening this year, and it will be later in the fall, members of the public across the city will be running for office to be elected to local police district councils. So in the 22 districts, police districts in the city, each district will have a, I believe it's a, a, a three-member council of residents in that neighborhood who are elected to the police district council, which will implement the oversight of policing in that district. And those elections will be held in June 2023. But that election will be happening. The, the, the people campaigning for office will happen near the end of the year, just be like automatic elections actually hmm. happening in police districts. Wow. So those three things are important. The, the installation of a new commission to oversee policing in Chicago, a referendum to empower that commission even more, and then election of local district councils. We're at Network 49. We're going to be very involved yeah. in paying attention to this and then also looking at candidates and qualifications for election, which will be happening um, in about a year. Um, so that, that's, that's pretty much what's happening right now. Michael, you have kept us very involved in this, um, thanks to your um, uh, heading up the police, um, the community safety task force in the uh, part of Network 49. And uh, you and a couple other members of the group did tremendous work. You took myself and another steering committee member to a couple trainings at the police yeah. academy last yeah. month. We had four of us in, in November, in October. Yeah. So we're, went four of us went for two full days of paying attention to what happens at the Chicago Police Academy where the training is done for police recruits. We spent a lot of time um, talking to the trainers and looking at how and what they were teaching to police cadets, what they're teaching to police cadets. We were happy to see some good things and we're also concerned about other things. But we were happy to see that much of the, some of the work that a lot of us did over the last summer to improve police accountability as far as de-escalation practices, Mm -hmm. how and when they use their weapons, how they report and pay attention to and how how transparent they are or are not in letting the public know what's going on. We discovered at the police academy that some of that is now being taught. I was so impressed. I was so impressed to see that um, and to have them be, be very clear about showing you and the other community members from across the city who were who were at those trainings saying, see, we, we took your advice kind of thing and pointing mm-hmm. that out at various places. Uh, very impressive. I mean, nothing could be more important. Um, I don't have too much, too many more minutes, but I want to ask, have you by any chance caught the Nova that is currently airing called Unapologetic? I haven't seen that. Oh, I, I just I just saw Don't Look Up last week, which is a fantastic film. It is that. good. That is great. I, I saw yeah. that too. Unapologetic is a Nova special that highlights the especially the young women organizing here in Chicago to keep Black Lives Matter front and center, and they are significantly uh, lesbian women of color uh, that are highlighted in this film. I I I'm going to ask you another time how what you think of it if you've seen it. Yeah, I I recommend people check it out because uh, I'm very impressed by what it was. And I guess the last thing I should check with you, 
What are your hopes and dreams for the new year, Michael Harrington? My hopes and dreams are number one, for the health and safety of my family, my daughter, and my son. I'm concerned about them and all of my friends and neighbors. This uh, COVID um, epidemic is continuing. And yeah. I and we all mask up with our N95 masks when we go out. We're very careful about we've, we've been vaccinated and I've been boosted as well. Mm -hmm. So health and safety is a real important thing. But I also hope for the new year that more of our neighbors get involved in supporting civilian oversight of the Chicago police. I think that's very crucial and essential. Um, there's been too much tragedy as a result of us not paying attention to how policing is managed in Chicago. It's too much cost and financial burden on the city as a result of us not paying attention. So I'm real, real still very focused on that as the issue. Amen to that. Um, and uh, hopefully that we'll get a little more activity uh, here in the 49th Ward. Uh, even this week, I'm, there's a lot of January 6th um, uh, memorials happening this week, um, vigils, et cetera, everything from what's going on down the civic, I mean, the uh, federal plaza on January 6th to neighborhood groupings. And um, I don't know, I think I, I'd like to do one up here in the neighborhood too, that just says we want democracy return and we pay attention and we will continue to pay attention. That seems to be right. a message that these people in Congress need to hear. Um, no, we need to fight for democracy at block by block state by state and nationally with it apparently is a need to continue to fight for it and it's not perfect right now right we need to improve what democracy has always meant we need to continue working at it you know that for us for me democracy means that each of us has a right to be involved in decision making that affects our lives amen. and we need to fight for that amen to that my brother we'll talk more about that with uh, heather booth next week on this show um but we're so happy that you joined us today, Michael. Sure. Michael will be sorry he missed talking to you. He would have thrown in a couple of oddball questions. You know he would have. I love Michael James. <laughs> I know we both will do. And um, we're all wishing him uh, get well soon. And Michael, I'll see you at our next meeting. Happy New Year to you and everybody else. Thank you happy very much. Happy New Year, darling. Thank you so Bye. much. Bye-bye. That was great. Thank you, Michael Harrington. Um, we're gonna just do a musical transition here with some, some other stirring music. Cynthia Ervio singing Stand Up. Let it rip, Cynthia. Where is she? Come on back, peaceful. Whoa, easy now. I'm gonna be free with God. Been walking with my face turned to the sun. Weight on my shoulders, a bullet in my gun. Oh, I got eyes in the back of my head, just in case I have to. I can when I can while I can for my people. 
While the clouds roll back and the stars fill the night That's when I'm gonna stand up Take my people with me Together we are going to a brand new home Far across the Hundred miles to freedom. Would you like to pick a new name to mark your freedom? Heritum. People with
So without my partner, Michael, to uh, fill in the blanks, I'm going to um, finish with um, maybe a couple more songs. But first, uh, please do remember January 6th and organize to win back our capital and our democracy in 2022. It's not overstating it to say that's what's at risk here. Um, this week, we lost a couple people, and I'm going to play one song here that reminds me of uh, not just Archbishop Desmond Tutu, but also Mandela himself, who's heard at the start of the song, Kosi Sikilele Africa, the South African national anthem. The other person we lost this week was Harry Reid, who um, <clears throat> some of you don't even remember, but he was a powerful democratic senator and um, a man of many different sides. Uh, his obituary or remembrance in the New York Times this week is worth checking out um, because it can be a lesson on how politics can be done well and, and, and requires a lot of different reachings out um, on the part of those who play it well. And Harry Reid was one of those people who did. And I had a moment in the uh, anti-chambers of the Capitol in DC once years ago when I was there, thanks to Paul Wellstone taking me on the train underneath that only senators ride. I was uh, in the room when uh, Harry Reid entered this chamber and the senators gathered around him. But what I want to observe, it was the absolute shift in energy that came in to the room with Harry Reid, and it made me know, here is a significant dude. So Harry, good on you. Archbishop Tutu, we love you, we thank you. And um, what we wanna say going out is uh, for over 25 years, we've brought you live from the Heartland, now called Heartland at Home, broadcast every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Central on Chicago's WLUW 88.7 FM, streaming live on WLUW.org. And all of our shows are archived at youtube.com slash Heartland Media. Um, we thank our team, the Live from the Heartland team, Lynn, Luis, the great folks at LUW, including the podcast director, Gwen, who is responsible for getting us on air. Thank you so much, Gwen Brown. Do good in the world. The world needs all the good we do. All power to the people. Let's hear from Joan Baez now. Something to remember. May God's blessing keep you always. May your wishes all come true. May you always do for others And let others do for you May you build a ladder to the stars And climb on every rung May you stay 